Welcome to episode three of Beyond Sunday. We're glad that you could join us again. Um, we are, uh, we've been doing this for three weeks in a row now where we're following up the weekend sermons with more content. And uh, we've been getting great feedback so far. Um, a lot of you have found this helpful, so we're going to keep going with it. Um, I've got uh, Becky Fitch with me, one of our teaching team members, and then our lead pastor, Steve Madsen. Mm-hmm. Welcome. How are you guys doing? doing awesome. Good? Yeah? Doing great. Fantastic. This is uh, fun, by the way. This is really cool. Good yeah. idea. Yeah, I like it. This was it. your idea, right? Uh, it was a team. It was a group effort. Well. So I think I gave good. the group an idea. And, then, uh, <laughs> and so. these microphones and then they are made it happen. dope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyways, great job with the sermon this yeah. weekend. Thank it's you. It's not an easy topic. And no. you drew the short, short straw. Um, or I whatever. volunteered for this one. No, you did. You did. And you <laughs> handle, um, one of the things that I admire about you is you handle some of the more difficult issues really well with mm-hmm. grace mm-hmm. Um, and put a lot of work into it. Mm-hmm. And so that's great. If you missed uh, Steve's sermon from this last weekend, I'd encourage you to go online, check it out. It's on the YouTube channel, so you should see it, or you can go on our website at cornerstoneweb.org. Um, but real quick, let me, if you didn't watch it, let me just catch you up real quick. Uh, we, the topic that we had this, this weekend was, is the church anti-woman? Um, and another way we asked it in the survey was, um, what, what is the church, how should the church position itself in terms of women and leadership roles mm-hmm. um, within the church? And um, so you walked through uh, the Apostle Paul and how he handled this issue and all the things that he did that supported women in leadership and supported women teaching. But then you also walked through the two passages in scripture that he said specific things that seemed to limit women. Um, and you watch us through the context of why it doesn't necessarily mean what you think it means and that we shouldn't necessarily be restricted by what those two passages uh, said there. And then we walked through Jesus's actions and words where he was he was so pro-women in the sense of advancing them, pushing them forward in leadership. And so we modeled ourselves after Christ. And so that's not a fair summary of it, but just to catch people up. I thought that was great. Um, that's kind of where you went. And then you, and then you really empowered women at the end to, to say, hey, we need you leading in the church. And, uh, and we do. So that was fantastic. Great job. So in terms of, of the content we want to get through, I thought it would be cool if we get into our stories with how yeah. this issue was handled for us, both growing up and then how we wrestled with it as we grew older. Mm-hmm. Um, so Becky, I don't know if you you want to start. Yeah. So I was raised in a denomination called Foursquare that was actually founded by a woman, um, and Foursquare has always had women as ordained pastors. Um, the church I grew up in, my parents helped plant when I was one, and uh, the couple who who uh, pastored the church always had a partnership in in leadership. Um, the husband Mike, he was a senior pastor, but Debbie was always involved in teaching and. Um, it was never, I, I never realized that that would even be a problem for people. Um, and then also with my parents and how they led and even my grandparents, like I always had this great model of a man and a woman partnering well to lead, um, to lead people. And, um, and so it actually, um, wasn't until I got to college and a, a Bible college that was Foursquare. Um, but I, I had classmates that were like, very opinionated on um, on what I could or could not do as a female that was called into ministry, um, and uh, and so uh, yeah, it was from from that place that I actually started studying it a lot because I didn't want to. I just felt like, hey, as a teenager, God called me into ministry. I want to do whatever He calls me to do. I actually never imagined I would be a pastor. That was never my goal, never my intention. Um, I was very resistant to it actually, and um, but. 
I, I, I wanted to make sure that, hey, am I am I doing something wrong in pursuing what I feel the Holy Spirit is leading me? Um, and uh, and so that was a process I went through in college and then landed here at Cornerstone. Um, and uh, I was an admin at first when I first started on staff at Cornerstone, um, but less than a year later um, became our middle school pastor at our Livermore campus and um, always felt supported by my church and by our leadership. Um, but it was actually when I went, took our students to Hume Lake that first summer um, as the youth pastor and they would always do like a youth pastor's dinner. And um, I remember sitting in a circle with 12, 15 other male pastors, because I was the only female youth pastor, um, and actually had a guy who was talking about how um, how men need to step up because the church is sinning because, you know, they are allowing women in leadership. And I'm sitting right there like, Cool. Um, this is fun. I thought we were just gonna eat at this barbecue, um, <laughs> and um, and so yeah. There's there's definitely been um, different seasons of my life where I've really wrestled through whether or not I'm capable of doing what I felt God was calling me to do. Mm-hmm. What has it been like for you at Cornerstone since you began preaching mm-hmm. on the main stage mm-hmm. um, to all the campuses? Yeah. Was there is there has it been hard for has there been tension around like that same feeling mm-hmm. of I'm not worthy for this, I have doubts about this? Yeah. Um, I mean from the from the get-go, um, you know, I I wrestle with that that specific gifting of teaching and preaching mm-hmm. because it's not a natural a natural talent of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there's insecurities that come with that. Um, but then also knowing that there are people at our church who um, have left our church because I teach, mm-hmm. um, or who won't come weekends I teach. Mm-hmm. Um, that is something that um, I've just had to give to God because I I would drive myself crazy if I take that personal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what I really really appreciate is those are battles that I have never had to fight. Um, those are conversations I've actually never had. I've never talked to a cornerstone. Um, a cornerstone member who was like, hey, you shouldn't be teaching. What do you have to say about it? Mm-hmm. Um, it's always been something that Steve and you, Chris, and our campus pastors have have handled for me. And so to be able to lead and feel like not only am I leading and using my gifts that God's given me, but I actually have the support, um, not just in word, but in action from uh, my fellow male pastors is, is incredible because I know a lot of female leaders who don't have that support. They might be leading at their church that says they give them that support, but then in actuality, um, it doesn't happen. And so I'm really grateful for that. Mm, That's great. That's really cool. Steve, what about you? What's your story in regards to this issue, this topic? Well, uh, like Becky, I grew up in the Assemblies of God. And so uh, women are ordained in the Assemblies of God and Mm -hmm. women are pastors. There's not that many, actually, especially senior pastors, Mm -hmm. uh, but especially on the mission field. There's a lot of Assembly of God heroes from the mission field that are women. And uh, so I just grew up hearing about these strong women and knowing about them, meeting some of them. My mom is a strong woman, and she wasn't in the pulpit preaching because my dad was the preacher, but my mom's an ordained minister. So this was not a struggle for me. Mm. Uh, It was later, once again, Bible college, and then later being in ministry, and then being a pastor when I found out, wow, people have strong feelings about this. Mm -hmm. And they really feel like that their interpretation of Scripture is the only one Mm -hmm. that's right. And if you don't obey 
this, I mean, this is a, this is a deal killer for mm -hmm. people. Yeah. And that's what really grieves me because it shouldn't be. Yeah. Um, it's just not a doctrine that should keep people from fellowshipping with each other. But unfortunately it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, my How about story, you? Yeah. yeah, yeah, my story. Um, so I'm the only one of the three of us who grew up in a church that was complementarian, which mm -hmm. we'll get into what that means a little bit later. But that, but essentially, that means that women couldn't have certain roles. Mm -hmm. um, I grew up in a great church, um, just in so many ways. But this was one of the things in my church that I grew up in, and so I definitely grew up with that mindset of that's right, and that's the right way to do things, and that's the right way to honor God. And that's the way God has set things up is men and women have different roles and there's roles that aren't available to women. And so it wasn't until a little bit post-college um, I had to wrestle with this issue because I came across research and Bible study that, that for the first time, I was probably 23, 24, that rocked my world and seemed like it had some credibility to it. And so I had to, I had to dive into this and um, I had good friends that I could wrestle with it with, but I, I, through research and study, ended up um, coming to the egalitarian position of you no know, women can be in any position. But there was a lot of feelings associated with that because, first mm -hmm. of all, I thought I felt like I was betraying those who came before me, mm -hmm. and so there was a lot of guilt of like I'm the black sheep, you can't run off in this direction, and so I really struggled with that. But what what was awesome about it is. Afterwards, after I'd wrestled with it and began looking back at the passages that I had read, um, I realized that those passages had given me a lot of pride as a man that was really unhealthy mm -hmm. and had created kind of a misogynistic viewpoint as a man in being superior to women. Mm. And uh, not everyone who's complementarian has that, but, no. but I certainly did. Um, and I could see in hindsight how that viewpoint of there's things that, that men can do that women can't was unhealthy for me that going through this process actually helped me repent of that and see some things in myself that, that were really ugly and I didn't like. Mm -hmm. And so I'm thankful for that process because of that. And it was able to help me grow. Um, so yeah, it's been, it's been a, it's been a difficult journey for me. Um, because I, I know and love so many people who have a different opinion than me and I respect them so much. Um, so yeah, that's my story. And I think that's where we should start with any disagreement in the church is with respect. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, it's, it's, it's not a commodity that's easily found in American culture these days where the, an opposing viewpoint is to be respected. Mm -hmm. And there are, there are great people on both sides of this, mm -hmm. and both groups think they're right. Yeah. Um, the, two, the two most common groups, it, one is called complementarian and mm -hmm. one is called egalitarian. Yep. So complementarian is that women and men, women are and men are supposed to complement each other's roles. Now, when you dive into it, you realize a complementarian view is that men can do anything in the church, and mm -hmm. then there's some things that women can't do. Correct. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's, it's a little different than how it's presented, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. nevertheless, that's what it's called as a complementarian view. And so it's, it's that women and men are equal, but not in roles. Mm -hmm. And then an egalitarian view is, comes from the word equal. It's that there's no gender restrictions. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. So what was most convincing for you, Steve, um, when you studied this issue, what made you believe, hey, I'm egalitarian, and that's, this is what convinced me the most? Wow, that's really interesting. You know what? I, th I would go all the way back to Genesis 3 and the curse in the garden after the yeah, Adam and Eve sinned, and God was very specific that between um, women and Satan, there would be a, a, an enmity that Jesus would crush. 
And so when I look at Jesus, I'm looking for what is he crushing in regards to the seed of women? And I see in Jesus a an extremely egalitarian view and not a complementarian one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see Jesus, when I study Jesus, then I have to take what I've learned about Jesus and interpret Paul instead of the other way around. Mm-hmm. And uh, because, man, Jesus was training future rabbis mm-hmm. when he had Mary sitting at his feet and Mary Magdalene calling him his teacher. And so uh, I see Jesus trusting women and empowering them. So then I look at it and go, well, then why would Paul say these things? And so then you slow down you open up the text and you look at context and you look at culture. And once I saw context and culture, I said, wow, there are reasonable explanations mm-hmm. for these hard passages, both in First Timothy and First mm-hmm. Corinthians, that, that validate an egalitarian view. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What about you, Becky? You yeah, I think similar. Like, you have to look at the big picture of the entire context of Scripture. And um, when I look at the heart of the Father and Jesus and how he uh, lived out his ministry and how he um, invited women into his um, into his circle and didn't just welcome them there but um, wanted them there and um, even even rebuked other people who were like no no you don't belong um, that um, and even Paul, he says those those two scriptures. But when you look at his whole ministry and the, all of his writings, um, it's hard to argue that they are restrictive of women and 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 ways that they can lead. And so for me, and and this is for how I interpret any scripture, is you've got to look at the bigger picture, and you can't just read a line or a few lines and develop an opinion based solely off of that. Um, and so that, and then a lot of, a lot of prayer, um, a lot of, um, just talking with God and wrestling through this myself and, and, um, and, and with other people has, has helped me land where I am. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm, I'm on the same page. What was most convincing for me, it was Jesus's words and actions. I mean, it was mm-hmm. more than studying Paul's words in, in Corinthians and first Timothy, it was Jesus. And the more I, I studied each of those Jesus stories, his interactions with women, mm-hmm. they're so revolutionary. Mm-hmm. I mean, like he was blowing people's minds yeah. because of what the culture was like and how anti-woman the culture was mm-hmm. when Jesus was there. Yeah. And the Pharisees and the, the whole Jewish establishment, the whole Roman establishment was all anti-woman. Mm-hmm. And everything that he was doing with women was not allowed. And he just kept mm-hmm. pushing the boundaries and he kept pushing them forward. He kept trusting them. Mm-hmm. He said Mary was sitting at his feet, which means she was being trained to be a rabbi. Like mm-hmm. he was like, you don't say that she was just being taught. And then mm-hmm. you only say that if she's being taught to do what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's such a powerful statement about Mary when she was mm-hmm. sitting at his feet. And there, there's just example of after example that like, I just can't get around that viewpoint because of Jesus and because of how he treated women. It just, it, it still amazes me. And if I try to put myself in the context, it's just, it's just so revolutionary. I mean, he, yeah. he set in motion a movement for women mm-hmm. that it makes me sad that the church hasn't fully grabbed onto it. I mean, I, know I think some it's part of the devil. Have. I think it's part of the devil's strategy for mm-hmm. the church. And I think that um, the devil has succeeded uh, in getting us to limit f- literally 50% of our adult population and say you can't do these ministries. Mm-hmm. Um, that just doesn't sound like what God would do. Um, Jesus called Pentecost, and he said, all of you go and wait. 
and then you all will be my witnesses and you all will be empowered. Well, this was men and women. Mm -hmm. And on the streets of Jerusalem, as the church is born, it's men and women. So it's crazy mm -hmm. that that's how it was born. But then this is what we've come to, mm -hmm. where women can't be priests, women you know, can't be pastors, they mm -hmm. can't, in so many of the Christian environments. Mm -hmm. And I, I believe it's faulty teaching. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and that's what has led me to lead Cornerstone in this direction. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I've been, um, I've been accused because of this, my position on this issue of being egalitarian, of like just caving into cultural pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, by the outside world and, and the pressure, you know, that it's just, I've just compromised my position because of that. Have you heard that before? And how would you, how would you respond to that comeback or accusation? Well, first of all, I wouldn't get into an argument with anybody about it. It's not worth it. But I think I would say, well, I think that dominating women is caving into cultural pressure. I think there's more in culture about not believing women, not trusting women, mm -hmm. um, not paying women the same, not letting women have their... So I think you're caving into culture when you mm -hmm. push women down. Mm -hmm. But I also would say that I really respect the Apostle Paul, especially for when he said, well, when I'm in Rome, I act as a Roman, but when I'm with Jews, I act. Paul knew how to weave his way in and out of different cultures. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's too simplistic to say, well, you're just caving into culture. It's like, no, maybe we live in the 21st century and we're trying to present gospel to people in a way that, that makes sense, mm -hmm. where women are getting their doctorates, women are running for political office, women are running companies, women are running schools, uh, for the church to say, is it possible that we should be allowing this in our churches as well? Mm -hmm. If that's being PC, whatever, um, I think what we're doing is we're, we're, being, we're trying to remain culturally relevant and, mm -hmm. and present a gospel to, to people in a way that makes sense to them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we, Paul was so great at this. I mean, the, the example that's always used is Mars Hill, where he kind of adapted the gospel presentation to the, the listeners mm -hmm. and the way they needed to hear it. Right. But he was doing it in First Timothy and Corinthians. Mm -hmm. He was he was adapting it. And if you don't look at what's going on in Ephesus and Corinth as you read Corinthians and Ephesians and First Timothy, you're really naive about what Scripture's even about. Mm -hmm. There's a lot going on there that he's addressing that doesn't really have to do with us. And so I think that it, we we are very in, we have intelligent Christians at Cornerstone. And we can dive in deeper than just saying, well, this is what Paul said, so this is what we're going to live. It's like, mm -hmm. well, wait a minute. Mm -hmm. He even uses the word authority, and I point this out in the sermon. I don't allow a woman to assert authority over men. Well, the word he uses is this really, it's like almost a violent word that's mm -hmm. in uh, Roman uh, Greek literature for mm -hmm. one of the, where the goddess comes and, and kills men mm -hmm. um, and, and dominates men. And, and that's what Paul's saying is, Hey, women, let's work together on this thing. Don't be part of the new Roman woman mm -hmm. movement. Mm -hmm. Be part of the Christian movement. Mm -hmm. And it's a different movement. It's winsome and it's wonderful and it's cooperative. And mm -hmm. so yeah, I just, really there's good. a lot to this gospel mm -hmm. message that Paul is preaching that can't just be limited to. Um, and by the way, if I could, maybe I could recommend a couple yeah, of resources right mm -hmm. now. There's a book. There's two books, actually, that really helped me as I prepared for this. And one is just fascinating because it's a new study, um, not that new, but pretty modern actually by an, an author, Bruce Winter. And it's called uh, Roman Wives, Roman Widows. 
And Bruce Winter in this book talks about the New Roman Woman movement, which was in 50 uh, AD, right when Paul is writing, there's this women's liberation radical movement that's sweeping across the empire. And it's not, it's so extreme that the church can't get behind it. And so Paul is addressing that. So that's an interesting book. And then there was another book that showed a very respectful presentation of the, the complementarian view and the egalitarian view. And it, there's four authors and they, each of them has one position, but then they pick each other's position apart. But it shows you how highly educated, but really um, kind mm -hmm. Christian scholars are speaking to each other. And this book is called Two Views on Women in Ministry. Uh, and they, these helped me a lot as I prepared for this. Wow, that's great. Um, all right, I got another question here. Uh, so if, if does the egalitarian viewpoint of there's no limit, women can, do, can have any role that a man can have, um, does that mean that we are moving towards a viewpoint that there's really not much difference between men and women in terms of gender? <laughs> because that's a viewpoint in culture, and, there, and there's actually a wing of feminism that would say, that would try to diminish any difference between men and women. Mm -hmm. Is that part of the egalitarian viewpoint? I mean, <laughs> I would say no. Um, and just from personal experience, like I am, in case you can't tell, I'm very different than Steve or Steve Ingold or even Billy, like mm -hmm. in how I teach um, and how I study scripture. Because um, Steve cries how a lot. I, <laughs> hey, Ingold yeah, he does. Cries. He does he's cry very, a lot. He's highly yeah. emotional. He is. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I think, yeah, even in the way I, I lead meetings or I enter into conversations, like, mm -hmm. I'm still I'm still me I'm still Becky and 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 I embrace that femininity femininity the the mother in me all of that the wife in me like and I'm not trying to um to to just be masculine and hang with the guys like or you know I I, I think that I add more value to the conversation because I have points of view or um or maybe emotions that um just play out differently than than it would for a guy and so um i think for me it's important to still uh be true to who i am or, or for any woman that like it's it's not about um conforming to one or the other or eliminating you know the the genders it's about partnering with one another and like i know i make um, the the other men that I work with better because of the perspective that I bring in the same way they make me better and I can't do what I do without them and so mm -hmm. as much as I, I want to continue to see like Cornerstone move forward and, and, and have even more and more women in leadership roles I, it's not to outdo the men because we need we need them as well and so I think it's um, we, we have to realize that each plays an important part and um, and and we need one another in order to move things forward. Yeah, as men and women, we together reflect the image of God. Mm -hmm. And if it's just women or just men, that's only a partial reflection of mm -hmm. God's image. And so when we work together and present gospel as a team, uh, I think we're doing it in a more godlike fashion. Mm -hmm. I totally agree. So we've made a lot mm -hmm. of progress as a church over the last several years mm -hmm. um, and been very intentional with raising women leaders up mm -hmm. into different positions. Since you started, when did you start working? I at started um, on staff at Cornerstone in 2011. Okay, how would you describe the difference in when you started to now 
So when I started on staff at Cornerstone, there weren't any female board members. Mm -hmm. There weren't any females on the leadership team. Mm -hmm. uh, there were no female worship pastors, um, no female campus pastors, no female uh, youth pastors. Um, very few of the department's heads were female. I think communications, uh, HR, um, care and women's were the, yeah. the four departments that had female leaders and the rest of the leadership of the church was male. Mm -hmm. um, now, uh, in what it's been seven years and um, we've got two female board members. Um, we have two females on the leadership team, um, a female on the, on the weekend teaching team, um, which I can't wait. I pray regularly for the day when there's a second female on their teaching team and that day's not too far off. Like we've got a lot of great females. Mm -hmm. Um, who are who have that gift of teaching and preaching? I heard um, the other day that we have twenty five women mm -hmm. in our congregation training to preach. Mm -hmm. Is that yeah. is mm -hmm. it was that number right? Yeah, it's a, that's actually probably a little low because that was more focused on the women just at our Livermore campus. Oh my goodness! Um, and that's women who are are uh, working with adults, so that doesn't even count our women who are um, leading in students or kids mm -hmm. um, and our other campuses. So. Yeah, there's a lot. Okay. Um, That's encouraging. And mm -hmm. um, and then even the th the thing that I think is really cool is Cornerstone has five values, right? Community, um, equipping, generosity, uh, care, and outreach. And there's we have five departments that kind of push those five values forward, um, each one respectively. And the leaders of each of those departments are female. All five of our values. It's not like just one, but all five of them are led mm -hmm. by female leaders, and they're championing that those areas for all of our campuses, which I think is pretty, uh, pretty awesome. Mm -hmm. And you know what I love? When I go to those meetings, women lead meetings differently than men do. Mm -hmm. And I love how men lead meetings, mm -hmm. but I love, cause women are all about inclusion mm -hmm. and they let everybody talk and mm -hmm. they don't allow interrupting <laughs> and they bring food. And, uh -huh. um, I just, <laughs> I lead like I lead uh -huh. cause I'm a guy, but I really have enjoyed um, women leading at every level. And more than just because of the food. Well, the food is... <laughs> I think you know me and food. I have a relationship well. with food. <laughs> so we the, we have two board members now. Did you mention that? And then uh -huh. we have how many worship leaders who are women now? Four, actually, of yeah. our seven paid worship leaders are female. Yeah. Um, so it's over the majority. Yeah, I mean, mm -hmm. that's, that's something awesome. for us to celebrate and be proud of. Yeah. But it's, it's not easy. I mean, so mm -hmm. I grew up thinking from an early age, like when I saw the pastor up front, I, th I, I would think that could be me. Right. Mm -hmm. But your sister didn't think that. My sister didn't think that. Mm -hmm. And so I grew up with this mindset in this psych this psychology of I'm almost being discipled mm -hmm. into that from a very early age because I'm a man. A lot of our women weren't. And so later in life did that light bulb go on and they thought, hey, I, mm -hmm. could, I could do this. Um, but because the, the church in a lot of ways hasn't done a good job, a lot of women are at a disadvantage because they haven't been honing those gifting, those skills. Mm -hmm. um, they've been trying to ignore them for a while and pretend that they don't exist. And so we, we still have a lot of work to do to help mm -hmm. with that. Um, but we're, we're seeing a lot of success. And that's something. And it's really be rewarding mm -hmm. because um, you pour this this training and this encouragement into women and they're just they're ready to go. Mm -hmm. And uh, they needed an opportunity. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I think the thing I love most about our growth in this area is not just that we have women in roles that we didn't have women in roles previously, but that we have the right person in mm -hmm. these roles. And mm -hmm. 
they and 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 it just so happens that they're also women like mm -hmm. it's not like we just put people in roles because oh well you're a girl and we need to kind of up our female numbers so right. mm -hmm. yeah. no like we've got incredible leaders who mm -hmm. are god ordained and placed in these specific positions for specific reasons and god's using them in incredible ways and um and that's what i love to see is that we've got awesome male pastors who are being led well or leading well and we have incredible female pastors who are leading well um, becky i gotta say though i love it when i see the younger women um, like teenagers even around mm -hmm. you because they really look up to you mm -hmm. and like you seeing you up there gives them like wow i i could do that i could be her mm -hmm. and uh, that's pretty cool yeah i mean that was one of my greatest um honors in being a youth pastor and one of the things that was the one of the uh, more difficult things when i stepped out of that role after i i started my family and after i had hudson just the youth the pace of youth ministry was not sustainable to being a good mom and so i knew it was the right um the right choice but man i loved those students and i loved that we had middle school girls who are 11 and 12 and 13 who regularly would see like yeah, I could, I could do that. I, I, I feel God's leading me here, and, and, and they don't have to wrestle through maybe some of the same obstacles that other, other women have mm -hmm. because of that. So Adrian told me a story a while back about mm -hmm. when you went up to Walnut Creek to preach live, mm -hmm. and um, at our Walnut Creek campus, mm -hmm. and he said that there was a young woman who got to talk to you after the service, mm -hmm. and she came back to Adrian, and she it was like she saw a rock star, <laughs> and she said, "That's what I want. That's uh -huh. what I want to be." I that's told what her, I, I was like, do. "I promise, I'm only a nerd. Like, yeah. I'm not that cool." <laughs> yeah, um, it was and just, we affirmed yeah. that. Just, you are. <laughs> yeah, you're not. You're <laughs> I mean, I'm a homeschooled girl from the Midwest, so yes, I guess you are. I, Bless my, your heart. Yeah. yeah. Bless your heart. Yeah. <laughs> You've come a long way, though. Um, yeah, that's that's so awesome. Yeah. I love that story, Steve. What? Um, this is a tough issue for a lot of people. And there's a lot of people right now who coming out this weekend, they're struggling with this. Mm -hmm. And even, even listening to this YouTube episode, they're struggling with this. What would, what would you say to them as they, as they wrestle? I get it. Um, you're not going to resolve this overnight. Mm -hmm. Um, I would ask you to consider it. Um, I think that, if I was a man struggling with this, I would, I, I'd have to ask myself, well, why would God set things up that way? And I would, I would go to the scriptures for my answers and I would look at the context and the culture and everything. And I'd have great conversations around it. I wouldn't just dig my heels in and say, I'm right. And my old pastor's right. And my old church is right. I would look at this and say, well, well I see great things at Cornerstone. So I need to at least consider this. Mm -hmm. If I was a woman, I think it'd be even more complicated. Like if you were a woman that was raised in this complementarian view and you were just told flat out there are roles that you cannot, don't even think about that. Mm -hmm. And then you come to Cornerstone and you're, you're told, no, it's, it's a possibility. I mean, I think that could be really complicated. I mean, there could even be guilt attached to that. Like, well, why, why didn't I hear about this sooner? And how come I haven't exercised these giftings? And I, like I have a friend who, who wanted to be in church leadership but wasn't allowed, so she went out and made her her name in, 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 the, in the marketplace. And that's great, I'm glad for her, but she was called in the ministry and wasn't allowed to do it. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who went to seminary and the whole time her dad just hassled her about it. There's, a, there's actually a woman on our staff mm -hmm. whose, um, whose mother actually does not support uh, what she's doing on our staff because of this view of scripture. So. Mm -hmm. I think it's complicated. I think mm -hmm. I think 
I would, I'd ask you to stick with us and don't break fellowship with us over something like this, but consider that maybe our wives, maybe our daughters, maybe our moms, maybe our sisters, maybe our granddaughters mm -hmm. should have the same chances that the men have and that the boys have and that maybe there's room for that in scriptural interpretation. But this isn't an easy one. Mm. Bill and I were talking after um, we went through how do we know the Bible is true, and we were talking about why does God, like why didn't God make it super clear? Why are there these issues that mm. are so confusing and there's conflicting information even in, in Scripture, and why, why would he give us his word, which we, we believe is the word of God, but yet we have to wrestle with it? And we both agreed our answer to that is, it, it keeps us like like seeking God. It mm -hmm. keeps us humble. It keeps mm -hmm. us from not feeling like we have every answer. That's right. Because mm -hmm. we could be wrong. There's a beauty in God. We have to be dependent on Him mm -hmm. um, because we don't have every answer. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's a humility that I think is beautiful and actually really healthy for the church. Mm -hmm. If we could latch onto that, um, that's really good for all of us. So. Well, I'm really glad that you both joined me. You're by yeah. far the best guests we've had in this series. Well, there weren't we saw the there weren't ones. high standards. Yeah, already. yeah. So. I mean, you just took it up to right. A, to Ingold a whole and Billy. Level. I mean, Draymond. Yeah, and, and <laughs> Kevin Durant. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> this is great. I, I'm looking forward to next week, Becky. You're preaching next yeah. week mm -hmm. on uh, what's heaven going to be like. Yeah, that's our that's our topic, mm -hmm. and um, so that's going to be great. And then yeah. we're going to sit down and do this again right after you preach mm -hmm. and uh, provide some fantastic content. Yeah for everyone. So uh, we're really glad that you're able to join us and uh, hopefully you're finding a lot of value out of this. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel and uh, we'll, we'll do a few more of these and then we're going to turn this into a podcast is our plan as well so that you'll be able to listen to it um, on iTunes as you're driving to work or whatever. What's it called? Church stuff? Yeah. yeah. I like that. So that, be cool. that's coming. So stay tuned for that. Um, otherwise, we'll see you guys later. Thanks. <laughs>